BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. And welcome again to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Second Harvest of Silicon Valley now helps feed about 500,000 people every month, double what it served before the pandemic. Across the Bay Area, food banks are struggling to keep up with increased demand for food and volunteers. The core Bay Area has lost close to 350,000 jobs during the past year as of September. That's according to the State Economic Development Department, which has led many more people to rely on food banks. We're going to talk now about how food banks are responding in this time of crisis and how you can help. Joining us, Paul Ash, Executive Director of San Francisco Marin Food Bank. And welcome to the program, Paul Ash. Thank you, Michael. Good to have you. Also, uh, Leslie Bacho, am I mispronouncing your name right, Leslie? No, that's right. Okay, because sometimes Leslie's or Leslie's and Bacho's or Bacos. Uh, good to have you with us as well. Leslie Bacho is CEO of the Second Harvest Food Bank of Santa Clara and San Mateo counties, and welcome to the program. Good to have you. Thank you. And let me actually begin with you. Silicon Valley seems uh, like well, a very daunting place uh, because there's such a tremendous equity when uh, inequity, excuse me. Uh, and, and gap when it comes to uh, certainly wealth and, and poverty. Uh, and you have one of the nation's largest food banks there. Uh, let, let's just first talk about the challenges you're facing, because uh, I mentioned this 350,000 job loss, um, according to the state's economic uh, development department. And that means, I think, that you're having to feed about twice as many people. That's right. We've literally doubled um, the amount of food we're distributing. And what most people don't realize is even before this pandemic, we had a food insecurity crisis in Silicon Valley. We were already serving a quarter million people. Now we're serving a half million people. And I think what has been so striking about this economic crisis is it has really disproportionately impacted low-wage workers. And we are seeing so many people who are already just living on the edge, having to then burn through their savings. They're coming to the food bank for the first time. More than half the people we're serving now have never sought food assistance before. How much of this has to do with the effect of school lunches not being available? And how much of it is really having impact on uh, uh, black and brown families, which according to a report of NPR, are twice as likely, uh, black families particularly, twice as likely to be forced into some kind or to be facing some kind of food insecurity? That's absolutely right. It's had a disproportionate impact on people of color. It's had a disproportionate impact on families. One of the reasons is school meals, even though most of our schools are providing grab-and-go meals, those are much more difficult to access. So many of these families are accustomed to relying on school meals for breakfast and lunch. And maybe, Paul Ash, you could talk about uh, the fact that uh, those who have disabilities are twice as likely as non-disabled adults uh, to need food. 
yes, they they have problems and issues of, of access uh, that are in addition to, to other food insecurity issues. Um, so they're you know, oftentimes unable to uh, leave the home uh, and, and require additional assistance to get the food they need. Now, you're with the San Francisco Marine Food Bank, and uh, for 19 years, uh, Leslie Basho was uh, sort of head of, uh, well, she, she was the CEO of that, now she's the CEO of, uh, as I've said, uh, the Santa Clara and San Mateo County Food Banks, which is called Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, she managed to, uh, let me hats off to her on this, to quadruple the amount of food that was provided to the community. Where are you now in terms of uh, actually increasing the number of people you serve? Well, just as in Silicon Valley, we see sort of similar growth during this COVID period. Uh, we've almost doubled uh, the number of, of people we're serving. And like Silicon Valley, uh, we started out uh, not being able to feed everyone who needed uh, our our food assistance. So, you know, we, we continue to, to try to do more, uh, but we're, we're not meeting the need. So we need to continue our work. Uh, we need to expect more of government programs uh, that, that help low-income people get the food they need as well. Well, you've been getting help. About a third, uh, I think, of the food you get is from USDA, and but there's going to be a big drop-off at the end of this year. That is a big problem and one that we are very concerned about. Uh, during this COVID time period, the USDA has provided incredible amounts of food to food banks across the country and really has fueled uh, that, that doubling of service. Uh, and what we're seeing now is what we refer to as a commodities cliff, uh, where there are no plans in next year's budget uh, to continue that. In fact, commodities will, will, will drop by 40% uh, in, in the next fiscal year, uh, from this fiscal year, and it drops 20% from even the previous fiscal year, which was a relatively normal year, uh, a non-COVID year. Uh, so we are going to really struggle uh, to make that up, uh, and we're going to work hard uh, to convince the Congress and whatever new administration we have next year uh, that, that we have to have help from the government to continue this level of service. I also need help from volunteers to help distribute the food, and this is uh, underlying this discussion, an urgent call for those of you who are willing and able to volunteer to help distribute food, and uh, we're going to tell you how you can do that. I should mention that uh, in the uh, Second Harvest Food Bank uh, there's what, uh, Leslie, about 130 new drive-through um, sites that you've provided, both in Santa Clara and San Mateo counties. That's right. Those have really been critical during this time to be able to distribute the food um, safely and easily. Many of these drive-throughs are serving a thousand people of at a time. And if I could just add on to that commodities piece, something that's been, been challenging is many of those commodities are coming to us pre-boxed. And that's been a big challenge with this pandemic is having to box all the food in our warehouses, which really requires a lot more volunteer support. We were already very dependent on volunteers, but especially at this time, we really need volunteers helping us box that food in our warehouse and then helping us at these distribution sites. Well, you might as well say now, how can people volunteer and sign up? The best way is to um, go to our website, to go to your local food bank's website. In our case, our um, website is shfb.org, and you can find out there how you can volunteer either at our warehouse or at a distribution site near you. And, Paul, can you give out your website? 
Yes, it's sfmfoodbank.org, uh, uh, and we're all across the Bay Area uh, looking for more volunteer support. That's a, that's a key part of, of, of the way that uh, our food distribution method works. And we'll put those on certainly our website. Uh, I think you can be 14 and older, can't you? Uh, if you need an electronic permission strip if you're between ages 14 and 17, but you can volunteer if you're as young as 14. Yes. Yes, that's the case uh, at our food bank, even younger at San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to get Young that. people have a great experience volunteering, uh, and it's a good way to get out of the house. It's healthy. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're paying very close attention to safety issues, uh, and I, I volunteer with my family uh, most weeks, and, and we feel very comfortable in, in the atmosphere out there. Okay, I want to talk with you about those safety precautions, but first I want to give out the phone number, and we do want to hear from you, our listeners, about experiences you may have had. Uh, have you started receiving help with groceries, and have you volunteered at a food bank? And if so, let us know what your experiences have been. We want to hear from you, and indeed, you can call us now at 866-733-6786. Number again for your calls, toll-free, 866-733-6786, or... Get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. And we're talking again with Paul Ash, Executive Director of the San Francisco Marin Food Bank, and Leslie Bacho, who is CEO of the uh, Second Harvest Food Bank of Santa Clara and San Mateo Counties. Please feel free to be part of the program. And please feel free to sign up and volunteer. Pushing that a bit here, too, because it's necessary and in this pandemic it's really needed. You're listening to Forum on KQED Public Radio. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about the growing demand here in the Bay Area for food from food banks. And there is a growing demand because of ongoing income inequality, but also because of the higher cost of living and, of course, because of the pandemic as well. And with us, Leslie Bacha, who is CEO of the Second Harvest Food Bank of Santa Clara and San Mateo Counties, and Paul Ash, who was executive director of the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. And we were, before we went to that break, talking a bit about safety. Uh, could you amplify that, Paul Ash, in terms of what you're doing, especially in the pandemic? Well, we're following all the, all the regulations, uh, you know, wearing masks. Uh, we provide all our volunteers with gloves. Uh, we are distancing. Uh, so we're, we're not working shoulder to shoulder anymore like we used to. Um, and we're, we're, we're really doing all the things that, that medical professionals and, and healthcare professionals are telling us we should do. Um, and it's working. Uh, you know, we're, we're not seeing people uh, exposed to COVID unnecessarily. And, and we're providing a great service to the community at the same time. And Leslie Betcho, uh, when you were with the San Francisco Marin uh, Food Bank, you actually did work through the neighborhoods. You went kind of one by one uh, through each of the neighborhoods. You can't do that really in a pandemic, and you've got a lot of people who are living in their cars or living without a roof or shelter over their head. How, do you, how are you reaching people? 
Well, that's why standing up so many of these drive-throughs has been so important, although at all of these drive-throughs, people can also walk up. And, you know, we work through partner agencies. We have over 300 nonprofit partners. Many of those partners are reaching um, the homeless population in our community. And so there are a variety of ways that we're getting food out. The the drive-throughs are the most visible and serving the greatest number of people, but there are still many places you can walk up, and there's still many of our partners who are doing that hard work of going out in the community and making sure everybody has access to food. And just so listeners can get a sense of the scale of what we're talking about here, uh, there is um, uh, there was a study back in 2019 that had over 10% of U.S. households uh, having experienced some kind of food insecurity. That's according to U.S. Department of Agriculture. That's essentially 35 million uh, Americans. Now, the most recent figure we have is 23%. So that's more than doubled. And that's from September uh, of this year. So you've got, uh, I mean, in terms of the pandemic, uh, you've got this extraordinary increase. I'm looking at a comment from a listener named Jerome who says, I'm a volunteer with the city of Alameda Food Bank. Most smaller community food banks in the Bay Area are suffering from a dearth of food donations. Food banks need cash donations so they can use their wholesale buying power to turn every dollar into $7. Agree with that, Leslie? Absolutely. That's what a lot of folks don't realize is that we're able to both, um, we get so much fresh produce donated, we just pay a small handling fee for that, usually about eight cents a pound, and then the transportation to get it to us. Anytime we're purchasing food, and of course, we're purchasing a lot more food now, now about 33% of the food we purchase, we uh, distribute is purchased, but we are able to buy those, that food by the truckload to negotiate great deals, a much better value than you could get if you went to Costco or Safeway to donate food. So we really want to stress um, financial donations, especially now we're actually, we don't have barrels in the stores this year. We aren't doing the same kind of food drives just due to both safety concerns, but also just due to the complications logistically of that. And we are already having to handle twice the volume of food. So we're just trying to keep things as simple as possible. And Paul Ash, a lot more uh, emphasis on nutrition, right? Absolutely. You know, it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, uh, food banks were pretty much cans and boxes. Uh, and, and in this 20 years, uh, we've made the shift over to providing a greater variety of foods, focusing on fresh foods, especially fruits and vegetables. Leslie mentioned our, our farm to family program where we partner with farmers all across the Western U.S. Uh, to provide a year round supply of, of fresh produce for, our, for our, our, our users. And we should also mention uh, that uh, Second Harvest actually has a, um, a program where they connect people to federal nutrition programs and other food resources. Let's get some callers on here, and let's start with Steve, who's joining us from Marin County. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Well, first, I want to thank the food banks for all that they've done to increase the delivery of food in in this moment, this COVID moment, and it's, it's nothing short of heroic. Um, and you've done a great job of bringing in more resources to the food banks. So I want to pick up on what um, I guess Paul just said about nutrition. What's, what's new in this moment to do to make sure we're not providing free food that leads to obesity or diabetes or other diseases. So that, that's one question. And then, you know, this is a moment to, to look at how food banks are working and are you, are you doing anything more to source from black farmers, Asian farmers and Latino farmers and support, um, to make sure culturally appropriate foods getting to folks. Okay, thank you for those. Uh, let, let's uh, go to you, Leslie, on the first question. Um, what's being done differently or new with respect to nutrition? 
Well, I think for all food banks, especially here in the Bay Area, for a long time now, we have been very focused on nutrition and um, having a nice, healthy offering. We're fortunate to be here in California where so much fresh produce is grown. At our food bank, half of what we distribute is fresh produce. A quarter of what we distribute are healthy um, proteins, milk, eggs, um, other staple items, and we always have an eye to trying to help people make nutritious choices. We also do a lot in the way of nutrition education. We have, you know, during normal times out in the field, we have a lot of folks um, even preparing um, the produce that we have there on offer so that people have ideas of how to best incorporate that into their diets. But I would say all food banks, especially here in the Bay Area, have been really focused on health and nutrition. And Paul, Ashley, let me go to you for the second question that was asked by that listener about uh, the source with farmers. Can you comment? Yeah, I I don't think that that we have uh, done enough to try to connect with a variety of different kinds of of farmers from from racial makeup to uh, there are are crops that we we aren't even accessing. Uh, So we have work to do there. A lot of times our relationships are with with farmers co-ops, so we actually don't touch any individual farmer's crops exclusively, we're taking, you know, whatever they brought to their co-op. Um, so we have a lot of work to do there. And here's Mina joining us from San Jose. Mina, good morning. Hi, good morning. I'm just happy to be online. Well, we're happy to have you. What's on your mind? Um, just love to volunteer. I wish I knew about this opportunity earlier. I only started a couple of months ago. And I must say I'm addicted at this point. Uh, It's funny that you brought up topics about racial and farmers and from different cultures. Or I just love going to this place because you meet people from different backgrounds, different cultures, and it does not matter. We're all doing the same thing right there. Just one same goal, and it's a fun place to work. Make you feel good doing volunteer work? Oh, my God. Too much. <laughs> too much is the point. I want to bunk work and show up there more often. Mia <laughs> so is one of our most loyal volunteers and just a great example of someone, um, you know, taking this opportunity to figure out how to give back. And it's wonderful when we have folks who are volunteer uh, shift after shift. It's great to have people who um, become true partners with us in this work. Mina, I'm glad you called. Keep up your good work. Thank you for that call. A question, actually, Leslie, for you. Uh, David wants to know, are the food banks able to help sign up people for food stamps? Yes, so that's a big focus um, of of all of our food banks here in the Bay Area is connecting people to CalFresh, what was formerly known as food stamps. And so We have a food connection hotline where people can call. We have people who um, are fluent in multiple languages who can help screen people for CalFresh eligibility and get them connected with CalFresh in addition to getting connected um, with food distribution sites in their area. So I always encourage people, if you go to our website, you can find out how to get food either through our website or by calling our food connection hotline. And once again, Leslie Bacho is CEO of Second Harvest Food Bank. And uh, here's Tiffany who writes, I'd like to know the safety precautions for workers and staff at the food banks, not just volunteers. Paul Ash. Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, our, our staff are out there, many of them, you know, eight hours a day. And uh, so we, we have to take the same precautions. Um, and, and we not only urge but insist uh, that, that people, you know, keep their own safety foremost in mind. And let me bring another caller on with us. Uh, we go to you, Martha in Palo Alto. Welcome. You're on the air. 
Hi. 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 Thank you so much. I just wanted to call in to say that I was a first-time volunteer on Monday with my daughter, Ashley, and my brother, Andrew. And we volunteered, Leslie, at the Cypress oh, Center. Great. And it was such an amazing, great experience. It was so well organized. The staff was so friendly. Everybody practiced such safe techniques. Um, the shifts are only two hours, so anybody can do that for two hours. There were handsome National Guard people working <laughs> side by side, and they played great music. So I would encourage anyone to get out there and do it. It was a great experience. Boy, that all sounds very uh, very yeah. enticing, the way you just mentioned it, the way you put it. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm uh, going to go to another caller now. Let me go to Fremont and welcome Inga, who's uh, uh, wondering about people who really need the food. Inga, go ahead. Hi. Uh, good morning, Michael. Um, my friend who is, you know, relatively wealthy and her husband still has a job and their income is over $100,000 and um, she was wondering about the food bank and she went online and filled out the application and even though she put the numbers of their income over $100,000, she was given the location and she went and picked up some groceries. So my question is, we're talking about lack of food for people who need it. And here we go, someone who has quite a bit of income even nowadays is able to go and get it. Well, we hope this person you describe is uh, an aberration of some sorts, but it, it does bring up a question of means testing or how you can really determine. Uh, Leslie Bacher, let me go to you on this there are people who probably may not need as much as other people and take advantage of the food banks. Yes, yeah, so I've been doing this work a long time. I find that is um, a pretty rare exception. One thing we really try to focus on is reducing barriers to access, trying to take away a lot of the stigma um, that comes with accessing food. In my experience, people generally don't come to us until they um, really need the help. And we use, uh, we ask people just to self-verify that their income is at or below 175% of the federal poverty level, which is about $70,000 for a family of four. And we use that number um, based on what HUD uses to determine if you're eligible for Section 8 vouchers or you're considered very low income by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And we've figure if you can use housing assistance, you probably need food assistance. And so we just ask people to self-verify that they meet that requirement. No way, of course, to verify their self-verifications, uh, unfortunately, right? Right. And we wouldn't want people to have to bring a lot of paperwork, especially at this time. We're trying to just, you know, we're serving such an incredible number of people. We're trying to move people through quickly. But in my experience, there's more of a barrier, just the stigma of asking for help. And so, like I say, usually people are coming to us when they really need the help. Yeah, let me ask you about that just for a moment, because I want to read some more emails that are coming in. But how do you essentially try to diminish that feeling of stigma? What do you do? Well, you know, before this pandemic, 
most food banks here in the Bay Area were really focused on having kind of farmer's market style distributions, making them really welcoming um, because we were having a problem really reaching people we knew could use our help. One thing about this pandemic is we are, I think, reaching a lot of people we probably should have been reaching before that could really use our help. But because there's been so much in the media, because these drive throughs are so visible, um, we're able to get the word out better that our services are available. And I also think, of course, there's something about these drive throughs that reduces the stigma because you, uh, you, you don't have to get out of your car. It's very anonymous. It's very convenient. And so post-pandemic, we will probably continue to see a lot of these drive throughs just because I do think that helps reduce the stigma. And here's Matt yeah, who Michael, writes, uh, Michael, I run can a, I jump in? And, oh, I'm sorry, Paul, jump, please, go ahead. Yeah, may I jump in and just second what Leslie says? We think a much bigger problem than, than anyone uh, with too much income getting food assistance uh, are the number of people who self-select out, uh, sometimes because of pride. Uh, you know, we, we, we pr- used to provide food directly to schools where we knew that 90% of the, of the families qualified for free and reduced price meals, and yet maybe 60 or 70% of those families were, were coming to the pantry right on site. Uh, and, and we know there's stigma, and we know there's pride issues there. So we think that's a much bigger problem than anyone, uh, you know, dipping into our food supplies uh, inappropriately. And a comment from a listener named Matt who says, I run a nonprofit called Suburban Roots out of the East Bay that installs free gardens while replacing grass lawns with drought-resistant turf. The county pays for the grass replacement and houses get a free garden. And Avides says, I'm on my way to help at our senior center distribution site. I see the numbers growing each time. Thank you to Second Harvest for the food from all those we serve. It is so critical. And another listener says, uh, and this to you, Paul Ash, can you mention Roadrunners? They prepare and distribute 2,000 meals per week all over the city. They are in need of volunteers as well. All, we are, all the work is under strict guidelines during COVID. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're, you're speaking of food runners and they do a great job of, of repurposing prepared food. So volunteers are needed really across the board with food programs. Well, a question about volunteers. Um, this is, um, from Maria, who says, our family has been volunteering for years and we keep doing it regularly during the pandemic. We think it is an indispensable service, and I'm just wondering what precautions they're taking, and this to you, Leslie Bancho, in San Jose warehouse and sorting centers regarding air ventilation and and, uh, filtration. Thank you for the question. So we are doing, you know, one thing from the very start of COVID is we really started stepping up all of our sanitation methods. Um, We do have um I don't I don't want to say we have perfect air filtration but we do have a strong air filtration system and I think even more importantly we are sanitizing all of those surfaces all of the high touch surfaces three times a day we're doing kind of deep cleaning overnight we are taking the kind of uh, precautions Paul described earlier in terms of making sure everybody is masked socially distant, wearing gloves. We have lots of hand sanitizer available. We um, are constantly screening for any um, sort of symptoms. And so, um, as Paul described, you know, we've been fortunate that we really have not seen, um, we feel we have been able to keep people very safe, and we have um, seen that just in the outcome at our sites. And Paul, can I get you to answer quickly a question from a listener named Cheryl who wants to know about the time shifts to volunteer at the San Francisco Marin Food Bank? Well, we have time shifts 
every day of the week. Uh, so so it's, it's almost guaranteed that we're going to be able to fit into people's schedule. Uh, we have pop-up pantries uh, all during the week. Mondays and Thursdays are particularly difficult to find volunteers. So if someone can squeeze time uh, in on a Monday or, or Thursday, we can, we can use their help. Uh, we also have delivery. Uh, we're delivering to 15,000 individuals uh, who can't leave their home because they're they're either elderly or disabled. Uh, So there's opportunities to almost volunteer on your own schedule with these deliveries. Uh, So go to the website. Uh, It'll tell you clearly where we need people the most, and and you're almost assured of being able to get something that fits your schedule. And let me second that uh, and urge those of you who have interest or inclination or availability to indeed go to the website. And to help these food banks, not only in terms of volunteering, but in supporting them, they do important work and they do vital work, particularly in these times. And thank you both for the work you do. Uh, Most appreciative of it and most appreciative of your being with us here this morning on the Forum Program. Good to have you. Paul Ash, thank you. Thank you, Michael. And Leslie Butch, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Paul Ashigan is Executive Director of the San Francisco Marine Food Bank and Leslie Bacho, CEO of Second Harvest Food Bank. And thank you, our listeners. We wouldn't be here without you. We're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11, and an hour is repeated in the evening. And stay tuned for another hour of Forum with Mina Kim. For all of us here at KQED Public Radio, I'm Michael Krasny. Stay safe. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.